is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, can talk about Jack Eichel, but no longer has to talk about Jack Eichel rumors. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your uh, Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague, uh, David Shane. Dave, we, as I just said, are past the Jack Eichel rumor stage. We, of course, still have plenty of Jack Eichel things to talk about. But we did an emergency podcast last time we talked. Now we're free from at least the, the hard news part of the story. So I think our listeners want to know, uh, have you been able to you know, leave your house for longer than like 15 minutes to uh, go get food? Yeah, I have. But I'm, I got kind of Eichelitis, I think, at this point. Uh, I'm a little Eicheled out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's a little Eicheled out of himself. Uh, and having to answer all the questions. But, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit more here. That's cool. Yeah, we still got uh, plenty to talk about with that deal coming to fruition. Of course, if you missed the initial news, we did an emergency podcast on uh, Thursday when the trade happened. Um, but if you're also like Dave and you are getting some eichelitis because he's been the uh, primary focus, it seems like, despite the fact that the Golden Knights are still playing, you know, some games, uh, good news There'll probably be quite a bit of a lull in the Eichel news uh, starting Friday for about three to five months because he is scheduled to have his surgery this week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, how the Golden Knights are doing on the ice in those games that I just mentioned. And we'll talk uh, about some injury updates that we have. Nothing too terribly, uh, you know, mind-blowingly crazy, but still some stuff uh, to pick out. But before we get to all that let me remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review, Review Journal. Oof. Tough when I can't uh, pronounce the place that I actually work for, but they do pay the bills. So make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And, of course, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. All right. So if you have somehow been under a rock since Thursday – and you missed it. Uh, yes, if you couldn't tell by the lengthy intro, Jack Eichel is a Golden Knight. He was acquired from the Buffalo Sabres along with a conditional third round pick for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a conditional first and a conditional second. Uh, once again, if you want more of like our initial reactions to the move in terms of you know what we think of Eichel as a player, what we think about the cost it took to get him, you know what we kind of uh, project moving forward. For a lot of this stuff, uh, make sure to check out our kind of emergency episode that we did last week. But there are obviously a lot of things that we know now that we didn't know on the day of the trade that we also need to talk about. Uh, one of those things just being we've heard from a lot of different people about Jack Eichel. We've heard from Jack Eichel himself. He had his uh, first press conference as I as a night on Monday. We are recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. I mean, so far, Dave, we've heard a lot from uh, Jack Eichel, as I said, and people around Jack Eichel, including a lot of people from the Knights, uh, compared to, you know, when we were kind of initially reacting uh, to this trade, what have kind of been your initial impressions of him, how he's kind of started to, you know, fit in around the team? Anything in particular stick out to you? I mean, I think it was something that Pete DeBoer said, and it struck me, too, is just how well-versed and how much research that he's done into, you know, the surgery that that he's taken his health and his career and his future that seriously. 
you know, that, that he's looked into all this stuff. And, you know, I think Pete DeBoer even kind of joked, he sounds like a doctor if you talk to him after a while. And like, yeah, you know, like I talked to him and he gave a whole rundown of like, you know, fusion surgery, this ADR surgery, that like all the different things and timelines. And, you know, he, he mentioned, you know, who he's spoken to, you know, dirt bike riders and big wave surfers, you know, people that have taken, you know, big falls and high impact and things like that, that have had this surgery and, you know, all this sorts of stuff. Like, it's interesting. I don't want to stereotype people in this way, but, you know, Ben, like you and me both have like kind of college hockey background and, you know, guys who go to college hockey tend to be a little bit different. Like they have some more things that interest them and, and maybe some more intellectual, you know, things that stimulate them that they, that they want to pursue, you know, and Jack Eichel was only at BU for a year, but you can just tell he's kind of an inquisitive guy, you know, somebody who likes to probably dig into things a little bit more, you know, know about things, find out, you know, research, all that, because he didn't just let people tell him this and say, Oh, okay. All right. You know, so-and-so said like he delved into this, himself and and i don't know maybe you know that everybody would do that i don't know that everybody would have you know maybe the bandwidth or the interest in in some of that medical jargon and all of that that goes into it but but he he's clearly you know invested a lot of time and, and energy into learning you know what this surgery is about what goes into it and why it's the best procedure for him that he feels like. Yeah. So um, for people that are at least somewhat unaware of what's going on here, Eichel has a herniated disc in his neck. It does need surgery. Everyone kind of agrees on that. What has kind of put him in limbo for a very long time is he suffered this injury in March and he and the Buffalo Sabres uh, disagreed as to the best kind of surgery um, that he could get. And if you're curious, kind of, where the disagreements lie and kind of the pros and cons of each, each procedure. I have a story up on uh, reviewjournal.com kind of breaking it down. Um, Eichel is getting an artificial disc replacement. That was his preferred surgery. It's the surgery that the Sabres wouldn't let him get, but the Knights are letting him do now that he is with them and he is getting that surgery uh, on Friday in Denver um, versus the kind of more common and the more proven, at least on high level athletes procedure that the Sabres wanted to get was a disc fusion surgery. Um, that's one that Peyton Manning um, got at one point in his career when he missed a year with the Indianapolis Colts, ultimately left there, um, joined the Denver Broncos, obviously had a very nice uh, stretch with the Broncos. Um, obviously describing all of these kind of surgeries and how they are used to uh, treat the neck. Uh, not necessarily ideal on the podcast and definitely can get into some medical jargon, but um as Dave said, if you talk to Jack Eichel, he knows all these things. And like I said, he hasn't played since March, so he's had time to research these things. And he's talked to um, a bunch of different doctors to get kind of good opinions on this. And he's talked to a bunch of athletes, as Dave mentioned. One of those guys that he's talked to is former UFC champion uh, Chris Weidman. And uh, our colleague Adam Hill actually you know, chatted with Weidman about the surgery and his experience with it. And that's another um, story that if you're curious, I would recommend you check that out on reviewjournal.com, you know, mine and Adam's stories are kind of good companion pieces to give you an idea of what Eichel is going to go through 
um, on Friday. Now his timeline is uh, about, you know, three months. That's what he says. Uh, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon was naturally a little bit more conservative. He said, you know, we'll see Eichel, you know, in three to five months, he gave a much um, broader window. But, you know, the fact that Eichel clearly knows all this stuff, has taken time to research this stuff. Um, one thing I thought that was very interesting in his introductory press conference is he was very confident, you know, in this stuff. He was, I don't want to say um, defiant, but he definitely pushed back on the the notion that, you know, this surgery to him is, you know, any sort of risk that he thinks that, you know, this is proven, this is going to work. And he thinks he just needed someone to kind of trust him to go through with this. Um, so, you know, that spiel from him, Dave, and his comments since the trade, you know, obviously I don't think either of us, uh, were well-versed in this surgery kind of decision before the trade. We knew at least the surface level we've dug into it a little bit more. So we know a little bit more now compared to what we did, but obviously neither of us are uh, neck surgeons. Otherwise we would probably be doing, um, something else with our lives and far bigger houses than we have. Um, but have your kind of, I guess, opinions or just thoughts on, you know, uh, Eichel's approach to his injury and surgery uh, changed, you know, in the last you know, week or so now that we've actually heard from him and heard more of his side and why he wants to do this? No, I mean, I think, you know, there was always going to be a risk. And I think anybody that sided with the trade and sided with the Knights and Jack Eichel, you know, you're sort of conceding that you feel like that surgery will, you know, provide the best long-term future for him and get him back to, you know, not only playing, you know, hockey well, but being able to go on and live his life, you know, pain-free, which I think was, you know, certainly from Robin Leonard's perspective, you know, why he spoke out on it. I, I don't think you can... Like, it's, I don't even think it's like the elephant in the room. Like, it's just, it's out in the open. Like, it's a huge risk the Golden Knights are taking here. Now, he can minimize it all he wants and talk about, you know, whatever. But, like, it's not a finger. It's not a knee. It's not a leg. It's, you know, it's a neck. So, yeah, we've seen athletes go through this and come back and, you know, get, I'll say, close to peak. If not, you know back to peak. So it's certainly possible, but you know, anytime you're talking about a procedure or how, you know, no matter how minimally invasive it is or, or whatever, like it's a neck surgery. And like you said, he's been out a long time and you never know what's going to happen. The first, you know, good bump, good shot that, you know, that he takes and, and how it's going to respond and, and whether the bone and the, you know, the artificial disc will take and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I don't think it changes my view on the risk. I mean, I, I still think it's, you know, it's pretty jumbo sized, <laughs> but I also, you know, I agree with our colleague at granny for the most part and think, especially with, you know, what the deal became, I, I, I largely think it's worth that risk to have a potential franchise center, you know, if it all comes good. And if you believe 
in the research and you believe in the surgeon and the surgery. Yeah, we'll see obviously how it all shakes out. It's gonna take us a while to see how it ends up going. But once again, that surgery will take place um, Friday. And if you're curious more about uh, what it entails, um, I've got a story up on it at reviewjournal.com. And if you want a perspective of someone who's been through that, check out our colleague Adam Hale's story on Chris Weidman, uh, also at reviewjournal.com. Um, so moving on from a guy in Jack Eichel who uh, is injured and is potentially still out uh, for quite the long term, uh, let's talk about guys who are injured but might be not out for as long of a time. Uh, the big kind of uh, news yesterday at the Knights Morning Skate was that Captain Mark Stone was there. He was wearing a normal jersey. He wasn't in any sort of like red non-contact jersey, uh, but he wasn't really a full participant. He didn't do line rushes. He wasn't involved in the power play stuff. Um, and that was because, you know, Coach Pete DeBoer said after the morning skate that Mark Stone is still a ways away um, from playing. His timeline has always been uh, very nebulous since he got hurt in the second period of the night's second game against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, the initial update uh, we got from DeBoer was, you know, quote, somewhere in between day to day uh, and week to week, you know, however you want to interpret that. But um, before the Knights uh, left on their recent four game road trip, you know, Mark Stone was skating on his own uh, before their game at home against the Anaheim Ducks. Now he's skating with kind of the full team again. So obviously we're seeing positive signs in terms of Mark Stone potentially getting back into a game at some point, uh, Dave. But uh, as of right now, uh, what are we kind of to make of where Stone is and what his, like I said, still very, you know, uh, opaque timeline is? Well, I'll be really honest. It felt somewhat more symbolic than actually, you know, I, I would say like productive in terms of like, you know, being on the lineup or anything like that, like you mentioned. Um, I would even go so far as to say that even though it was the morning skate after a day off and the entire team was out there, they were not in colored jerseys and, you know, by lines and things. And it wouldn't have shocked me if, you know, we showed up today and they obviously they called off practice and, you know, did off ice stuff. But if we showed up today for, you know, a scheduled full practice and saw Mark Stone in, you know, a non-contact jersey. It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have shocked me. You know, we've seen the situation like that before where, you know, a guy's been out there for a morning skate and, you know, it looks like he's cleared for contact. And then, you know, the next day of practice, he's either in a red jersey or like a baby blue or, you know, whatever it signifies, like some kind of non-contact. So I, I don't want to get too far, you know, ahead of anything with him returning. And I think, Pete DeBoer tried to temper, you know, any enthusiasm that might have followed of, you know, him being on the ice, you know, like you said, saying he's still, you know, a ways away, but I think it's a good sign. And I think, you know, again, anytime your captain is around and anytime as players, you see hope and optimism that, okay, he's getting near, you know, he's around, he's on the ice, he's close, like, you know, it's a it's a boost at the start of a homestand, you know, when, you know, maybe you need it after a long road trip. And, you know, certainly we saw them slogging through, you know, a good portion of that first period before, you know, they kind of woke up last night. So, 
you know, I'm not saying it was directly related to Mark Stone returning to, you know, the morning skate, but I just think any sorts of energy or, you know, jolt, feel good optimism that, that they can bring, you know, it's a, it's a smart coaching tactic, put it that way. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think once they get, you know, on the ice for full practices, and then you can kind of see how Mark Stone's integrated, you know, then you get a better idea of, you know, maybe he'll come back at some point during this, you know, this homestand, or, you know, maybe you have to wait a little bit. Get all the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at nevadapreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at cpoa-nevada.com. Yeah, the night's next full practice is scheduled to be uh, Friday because uh, tomorrow, Thursday, they're scheduled to play the Minnesota Wild. We can also see whether Stone... uh, is involved in the morning skate more at all. But one of the obviously interesting uh, offshoots of this is, of course, and uh, it's funny because, you know, Kelly McCrimmon has, uh, after the Eichel trade happened, kind of, you know, said we'll deal with our roster and salary cap stuff when we deal with it. Pete DeBoer today when asked about, you know, have you started thinking about your line combinations with Jack Eichel has basically said I'm focused on the here and now and I can't think about that. Until we get there, uh, we don't have, you know, those same issues. I think we can look ahead a little bit. And if Mark Stone is at the very least progressing, you know, we don't have a firm timeline on when he will return. But I think it's safe to say if he's already appearing at morning skates in November, that this is not obviously any sort of, you know, season long injury, at least for now. Uh, It does mean that it's looking unlikely that the Knights are going to be able to use long-term injured reserve, as I think some people have envisioned, um, to get out of potentially making a move uh, at the trade deadline. And what I'm talking about, if um, people aren't following, is that uh, as of right now, uh, the Knights are basically $11 million over the cap as of this morning. It currently does not matter because they have so many guys on long-term injured reserve. I mean, specifically, you've got Eichel, Stone, uh, Max Pacioretty. Those guys are combined making $26.5 million. So the Knights have all the breathing room they want under the cap. But theoretically, if all three of those guys get healthy in the regular season, you have to put them all back on the active roster. And in order to do that, the Knights would have to um, take – you know, that $11 million that they are over the cap and get back under it. Um, A way to escape that I think has been kind of put out there quite a bit is to do what Tampa Bay did with uh, one of their stars, Nikita Kucherov, last season, which he had hip surgery, uh, was basically out the entire regular season last year and didn't come back until the playoffs when the salary cap all of a sudden gets turned off. And so the fact that uh, Tampa Bay was essentially icing an over-the-cap roster uh, during the playoffs didn't matter. Um, As of right now, Dave, and obviously this can change and this is all fluid, which is why both Kelly McCrimmon and Pete DeBoer have kind of cautioned since the Eichel trade of, hey, we're not looking to get ahead of ourselves um, here. But it doesn't look like as of, like I said, right now, um, that that option is going to be available to the Knights unless something else happens and another injury happens or Mark Stone re-aggravates uh, 
whatever injury um, he has. Am I wrong there? Is there any way that you think the team, as of right now, um, could you know finagle their way out of a potentially having to um, you know look to move on from guys at some point? I mean, you never know. I mean, we've seen all kinds of you know guys dropping here in the first few weeks, and I think it operates under the assumption you know that Jack Eichel comes back within that three month time frame, and I think that puts him you know, close to the Olympic break and all of that sort of stuff. And I think if you're the Golden Knights, you know, there is a little bit of, I, I, I hesitate to use this word with a human being, but like asset management and making darn sure that you're not rushing him back because this isn't always, this isn't just about this year. You know, there, there's a long-term element with, with that trade and Jack Eichel being, you know, locked up contract wise for another four years at 25 years old and being the franchise center that this team has lacked. Like this isn't just a, well, we're going to bring in a good player in a couple of years. Like, no, this is, this is a guy who is got a no move clause that kicks in in the summer. You know, he, he is going to be here. He is a guy who they are going to build around ideally. So, I don't think you just want to rush him back because he's your shiny new toy right now and you want to go like take him for a spin. And so if that means that you have to wait a little bit, if that means you have to, you know, manage your cap a little bit around him and his, you know, 10 million that can go on long-term IR and that maybe you stretch it out as long as you can, you know, maybe it means he comes back, you know, with a month to go in the season because somebody else gets hurt, you know, and then you can, you know, then you can make the move and, and it works. Like there's so many different ways for this to happen. There's so much like, you know, butterfly effect, just, just all of these different things that, you know, dominoes that could fall into place or whatever for, for them to have to avoid things or, you know, the complete opposite could happen. And, and like you said, the scenario could be, Literally every coming, everybody coming back and being healthy and, and the, whole, the whole roster being intact and Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and, you know, his scouting staff and everybody have to go, you know, oh, poop, you know, well, you know, let's go to plan B. What are we going to do? Uh, I mean, the one thing that this team has never done or had happened to it is, I guess, kind of being caught with its pants down and had a situation or scenario, you know, that it didn't really envision. Maybe the the closest thing you could say is signing Marc-Andre Fleury a few years ago to a contract extension and then, you know, getting into a situation where you couldn't afford him. But, you know, they they play their hand as it, as it comes at the time. And I'm sure they're looking at everything day by day, you know, week by week. And, you know, when the time comes – for Jack Eichel to, you know, get clearance, be ready to go and at a hundred percent, then they're going to assess it. And if they have to make a deal or whatever that entails, you know, whether it's waving somebody like, you know, Brett Howden, whether it's waving Matthias Yanmark, like, you know, 2 million, 850, like there's like, there's so many different ways for them to, to problem solve this, 
you know, depending on where they're at at the time. But as we've seen with the salary cap and the way that they, you know, do their kind of yoga and contort and twist, like it's, it's so hard to predict what could happen a handful of months from now. And, you know, what these injuries in the, in the short term could affect down the road. It is very hard to predict, but I do think it's kind of fun to talk about. So I don't think this is the last time that we'll be bringing it up, even though, as we talked about, it's a very fluid situation and a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that can change. Uh, And Jack Eichel hasn't even gotten his surgery yet. And obviously how he recovers there will provide uh, a little bit of some structure to how all of this eventually plays out. But it is kind of hanging out there in the background and we'll see what happens with it. Uh, so moving forward to uh, our final topic of this episode of the podcast is, oh, yeah, the Knights are actually also playing games. And I guess we can mention that as well, uh, despite like I said, the blockbuster trade and the injuries kind of overshadowing what's actually going on on the ice. At least it seems like at the moment, uh, the Knights are getting results. Uh, they finished off a uh, four game road trip. As I said, they went two and two there. Then they came home and beat Seattle uh, last night uh, as we're recording. So now they are seven and six on the season. Uh, They have won six of their last eight games. And now they have uh, five straight at home. It's a six game homestand, including last night's win against Seattle, which gives them a chance to uh, potentially uh, build some points here and leave themselves in, you know, pretty good standing for when some of these guys like uh, Stone, Pacioretty, White Cloud, uh, William Carlson, and, you know, start to come back over the next you know month and a half, maybe two months or so. Uh, Dave, are we seeing, you know, anything different out of this team? Anything that's catching your eye that is helping kind of, you know, propel them to, you know, success, at least in the short term? And, you know, relative success, I guess it should still be cautioned at least a little bit where they're not, you know, in first place of the division or anything. But I think they are kind of accomplishing what is kind of being asked of them to accomplish with these guys out? Yeah, and I would say even they exceeded it a little bit. And Pete DeBoer, you know, kind of alluded to that after the game last night, you know, that, you know, maybe if, you know, they were supposed to tread water and stay around 500 and all that, then maybe, you know, they've proven that the expectations can and should be a little higher for for that group. And, and it speaks to the organization organization's depth and, you know, all of those sorts of things that, that coaches talk about. But, you know, it's true. Like, you don't survive what they've survived without being able to call up, you know, some guys who maybe obviously haven't played before in some cases, making an NHL debut like Paul Cotter did last night, you know, and getting quality minutes out of Ron Beard and, you know, Lissition. Like, you know, they're not setting the world on fire or anything like that, but they're not hurting them either. And, you know, Pizza Boar is able to roll through his lines and, and you know, kind of continue to play. Like, he hasn't had to pare anything down. He hasn't had to, like, rein anything in or, you know, like, cut down the playbook, so to speak, you know, so that they can handle it. Um, I would say two things have stood out in terms of, you know, like the last six, you know, of eight and then winning and, and maybe why the results have turned a little bit. I think one, they've done, you know, a better job, especially the last couple games of, you know, cutting down some of the scoring chances, um, high danger chances and things like that. Uh, it doesn't feel like, you know, Robin Leonard and, 
you know, Laurent Brossois, I felt like struggled a little bit and that was a little shaky outing early, you know, in Detroit and thought some of those chances were good. Obviously the power play one that Luke Raymond scored on, you know, backdoor, you know, not, not many goalies are going to stop that, but you know, for the most part, I thought defensively they played better, you know, in front of their goalies and, and, you know, not force them to make, you know, as many 10 bell saves. The other thing too, I think is Nicholas Waugh. And I don't think we can, you know, really understate his impact because all of a sudden you have a first line and you don't have to mess with like Chandler Stevenson and try to like do weird stuff. And, you know, all this, you're not loading something up to try to get the first line. Like you're basically next man in. And the funny thing is, you know, Pete DeBoer keeps talking about Nicholas Waugh and I, I should have asked this today. I'm kicking myself. Like, you know, how he had a really good training camp and he deserved it and he earned it. And it's like, well, why did you play Brett Howden there a few game, games ago? And then go to Chandler Stevenson. Like, why didn't you just go to Nick Waugh like right from the start? Because he's filled in, you know, and given them uh, essentially a right-handed William Carlson. Like, he's responsible in his own zone. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And then you've just seen an uptick in the offensive, you know, aggressiveness and him, you know, trying to push the pace and, you know, drive offense with those other two forwards and knowing that he's in, you know, a first line role and that's what it's going to take. I I think it's kind of been, you know, I don't want to say game changer, but, it's been a huge difference for Pete DeBoer and, and what he can throw over the boards to, to essentially have a first line, you know, and not have to worry about it. And then, you know, you can keep Stevenson and Dadnov and some of these guys, you know, together. You can, you know, roll a third and a fourth line out there that you know can chip in offensively and still do, you know, a little bit of the physicality and things that, you know, you're asking them, like, it looks like a balanced lineup all of a sudden because you have Nick Waugh playing like a first-line center. Right. He has looked very, very strong the last uh, couple games, I would say. You know, we talked about it before, but Chandler Stevenson also continues to look uh, really, really strong, which is highly ironic given that the Knights just traded for uh, a number one center, yet – Eichel and William Carlson are out and they've got uh, two guys kind of performing as their number one and number two centers and are doing a really, really good job. Chandler Stevenson uh, for the season is the Knights uh, leading scorer. He's got uh, a point per game, 13 points in 13 games. Then Nick Wise, you mentioned Dave, has been really, really good, especially since moving up the lineup. He's got eight points in 11 games. And so uh, I do find that kind of Ironic that the Knights are getting um, strong performances um, from those guys as they're trying to uh, beef up the center position. Um, we'll obviously see if the Knights can keep this up. This homestand is a good opportunity for them to kind of keep building on the momentum that they started to generate themselves, especially defensively. As Dave mentioned, uh, this homestand kind of you know goes up and down where the Wild tomorrow are obviously going to be tricky. Then you got the Canucks who are not lighting the world on fire to start the season. The Hurricanes, who definitely are. Back to the Red Wings, who are, you know, doing, I think, better than people expected. Not great. And then the uh, Blue Jackets close out this homestand. And they are kind of been 
a uh, pleasant surprise to start the year despite trading away uh, quite a few guys over the last couple seasons. They have started the year very strong. Uh, we'll see how this team continues to play through all these injuries and absences. Right now, they seem to have found some sort of a winning formula, and we'll have to see whether they can keep it up. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Ghost. He is David Chain. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon.